The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. If you would, turn to Jeremiah this morning. Uh, we've been in the Old Testament the last couple of weeks. We're going to be there again today, and Jeremiah's pretty easy to find. It's a big old book. We're going to be in the very first chapter. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. You're going to have to think about it, man. Who has known you the longest? Or maybe who have you known the longest? Now, I was thinking about this, and my first thought was my mother has known me the longest, right? But at some point, my mother passed away back 10 years or so ago. At some point, uh, if I live long enough and Denise lives long enough, she will have known me longer than my mother. So so just think about that. Somebody holler out, who's, who's known you? How many years, just how many years have you known somebody? That's what I'm looking for. 59. <laughs> no, y'all are telling. <laughs> it's less than 100, surely. <laughs> how, uh, 59. Anybody more than that? <laughs> how many years? 84 years. Isn't that great? And yeah, it is, isn't it? Has anybody been known longer than eighty-four years? Your dad's known them. You've known you for ninety-three years. Anybody longer? Has anybody known you longer than that? Who? <laughs> That's where we're headed. <laughs> Do what? Know what? He foresaw. He foresaw. <laughs> one of the girls wasn't born 93 years ago. <laughs> oh, neither one was. <laughs> That's exactly where we're headed this morning. Uh, 93 years is a long time to know somebody. And that's what I said, or have you known someone that long? So if Leo was here this morning, of course, he would say, well, I've known somebody for 93 years plus. But uh, just think about that. This morning, I want us to look at the call of one of God's prophets, Jeremiah. And uh, we've been talking about living life on a purpose, with a purpose, towards a purpose. We're going to continue that this morning. And I, I kind of got the cart before the horse when we started this. This is just going to be a real simple message. And, and like most of mine are, I think. But, but this is going to be a painfully simple because I want us to really understand about living life on a purpose and what that means or what implications that has to us. And we're going to see that in Jeremiah here, and we're in chapter 1. Uh, and to start off with, I want you to think about what drives you. What drives you, not a Ford or a Chevy or a Dodge, but, but what drives you. We're, we're driven by different things, aren't we? Some of us are driven by... Uh, maybe our, our situation we're in at a certain time, maybe the settings that surround us, maybe the people that surround us, they drive us, maybe, uh, maybe problems drive us, or maybe our work drives us, or maybe our family drives us, maybe our interests drive us. You know, we go on and on, but I want you to really think this morning about what drives you, what, what motivates you, what pushes you, what, what leads you on. And, and if we think about what drives us, I'd like for us to do something this morning. I'd like us to look at 
God's call to Jeremiah, and this is in chapter 1 of Jeremiah, I've already said, and I want it to remind us of the importance of living our lives on the purpose for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what drove Jeremiah was his call. But sometimes in my life, and I usually say us, but this may not be the case for everybody, sometimes in my life, I forget that the people of the Old Testament or even the people of the New Testament, they weren't some kind of God themselves. They were just everyday people, just like us. And God's call came upon them, and because of that, they were driven to a point of being some of the great fathers and some of the great leaders and men and women of Scripture. And they're recorded in Scripture. And sometimes I think we read about people in the Bible, and incidentally, we're going to talk tonight at 7 o'clock about excuses, and who is the greatest guy in the Bible who had the most excuses? Who comes to your mind? Moses. Think about the excuses Moses had, and we're going to look at him tonight at 7 o'clock that kind of goes along with this living life on a purpose. But listen to what Jeremiah had to say. This Jeremiah the prophet who, who's got this great book of Jeremiah. If you've never studied the book of Jeremiah, I would uh, uh, encourage you to do so. And I'm going to use the New Living Translation to read Jeremiah chapter 1, starting in verse 4. It says, The Lord gave me a message, and he said... Listen, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. God's known us long before we were thought of. God saw you, and God knew you would even be here today. God knows everything about you. And, and as we read this about Jeremiah, I want to ask you this morning to put yourself in Jeremiah's place, and I want you to hear the word of the Lord coming to you not Jeremiah. So as we start, the Lord gave me a message. And I want you to say to yourself, the Lord sent this message to me today. He said to me, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my spokesman to the world. Before you were ever born, I, I, I set you apart, and I've appointed you. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Now, some of us might change that a little bit. Lord, I can't speak to you for you. I'm too old. Lord, I can't speak to you for you. I'm too shy. Lord, I can't speak for you. I don't know what to say. Whatever you want to put in there, Jeremiah said, Lord, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. And look what the Lord said. Don't say that. The Lord replied, you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people. That's our fear, isn't it? Well, I'm going to go a bunch in front of people I don't know and I'm not comfortable with. Don't be afraid of the people, for I'll be with you and I'll take care of you. And I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord touched my mouth and said, See, I have put my words in your mouth. And today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. You are to uproot some and tear them down and destroy them and overthrow them. And others you are to build up 
and plant them. What I want to do this morning, I want to offer some basic, really basic truths I believe are critical to understanding of, on how to live a life on purpose. Just some real basic things. The first is the most basic, but so many people miss it. Things we need to know first is God is the giver of life. Now, you may say, duh, Jake, everybody knows that. Don't we forget that sometimes? We're here today. We're breathing this air. Our heart's beating. Our lungs are filling and emptying. Why? Because God gave us life. He started in the very beginning as he created man. I love this part. We go to Genesis and he created man out of the dust of the earth. And he talks about them forming his body. You go to Ezekiel, that valley of the dry bones, and you hear those bones rattling and you see those muscles start attaching to those bones and you see that skin begin to cover those muscles. And in Genesis, over in Ezekiel, the Bible says this, God breathed into them the breath of life. And we live today and we're alive today because God is the giver of life. He created you. He created me and he gave us life. In, in Psalms chapter 139, David said, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you saw, your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in the book before, ever, before one of them ever came to be. Do you hear that? I hope today you can say to yourself, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Isn't that great? You may look up me and say, Jake, you are not wonderfully made. I am too. The Bible says that. Now, now I'm not where I need to be, but, but I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Every one of us here, I know sometimes we can look in the mirror, we can look on the TV, and the TV says, you need to do this, this, and this, and you'll look perfect. You are perfect. Amen? Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God has given you life. He's breathed into you the life. Oh, yes, you shaped me first, inside, then out. This is the message. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, because you are breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation you have made. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made Bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life have been spread out before you. And all the days of my life were prepared before I ever lived, even one. You know what that tells us? That God gave us life. And with life... God gave us a purpose for life. He didn't simply create us, set us on a shelf and say, one of these days, I'm going to figure out what to do. He, he said, you know, before you were ever born, before you breathed your first day, I had a purpose for you. You know what that first purpose is? As God gives us that purpose for life, he, his first purpose is this, that we'd give our life back to him. That's why we're recreated, that we might give our life back to him. The Lord gave us life. That's his gift to us. Listen, the Lord gave us life. 
that's his gift to us. What we make of this life is our gift back to him. Think about that. God, the giver of life, has given us the gift of life. And what we make of this life is our gift back to him. Now, if you want to get somebody a gift, you don't do it by accident, do you? Unless you pull out something and show somebody and they say, oh, I like this, thanks. You might say, wait a minute, I didn't get that for you. But when you have someone you love, you go out and you shop. I hate shopping. I've told you all this before. But if you're buying a gift for someone, you purposefully go and purchase that gift. You may go, and hopefully you go, and you took a little time, and you select something that you say, you know what, this would be a great gift. This is something that that, that person would know that, that I love them, and I'll be able to present this to them. And, and you don't do anything by accident as you give a gift, depending on the depth of your relationship, is going to determine how much you spend. My point is this, God has given us all the gift of life, a wonderful gift. And if we give it that gift, what are we preparing to give him back? If you get a gift, don't you feel obligated to give somebody a gift back? Don't you hate that at Christmas? When somebody brings you a gift, you ain't even thought about buying them a gift. They ain't even on your list. And what do you say? I got yours at home. I forgot to bring it. Well, you're lying. You ain't got your gift at home. You didn't buy them nothing. You know, oh, oh, I'll bring it next week. That's what I'll do. You know, oh, I got you something. Surely I do. I mean, I didn't forgive it. But, but, but as we think about God's gift, what are you preparing to give God back? I'm sure you've heard about Rick Warren and his book, The Purpose Driven Life. That's an old book now. But God has purposed his life. He's given us a life for a purpose. And I want you to listen to the, to the opening words in that book. You were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life's not going to make any sense. When we were created for a purpose, for a reason, and we're living out li- our life outside of that purpose and outside of that reason, life's not going to make much sense, is it? Because we were created for a reason. Rick goes on in Ephesians 3.11. He says, It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us. His design for us for living a glorious life and living for Him. Part of the overall purpose that He's working out in us every day in every one. And when we think about that purpose, God wants us to know that we have hope of eternal life. That's his first purpose. We have hope of eternal life. One of these days, this side of heaven, if the Lord doesn't come back first, which he could, we're going to take our last breath on this earth. One of these days, that's going to happen. The Bible says it's appointed once for every man to die and then face the Lord. One of these days, we're going to take our last breath on earth. But you know what? For those who are born again Christians, you know what that next step is? We're going to be in eternity. We're going to be with Christ. We're not going to be floating around on some cloud with a halo over us. Get that picture out of your mind. We're going to be with Christ in eternity. He's going to create a new heaven, a new earth, and we're going to work. We're going to serve Him, and it's going to be a joy. That's what lies ahead, and God wants us to understand that we have a hope of eternity. God also wants us to know His Son And he wants us to be a reflection of him. That's God's purpose. Some people say, I look like my dad. I don't see it. But a lot of people say, you look just like your dad. You know what we need to look like? We need to look like our heavenly father. 
When people come in contact with us, they need to say, you know what? You look like your dad. Well, who are you talking about? There's some characteristics you have. You look like the Father God. That's what God has purpose for us. And here's the great thing. God is going to enable us. He's going to fulfill us to do his purpose. Isn't that good news? He doesn't give us a purpose and then say, go out there and figure it out. He gives us a purpose, and then he equips us. You've heard that statement, those he elects, he equips. When God calls us, when God elects us, he equips us for his purpose. Jeremiah said to the Lord, I can't do this. And the Lord replied, replied, you can if you'll simply depend on me. Jeremiah chapter uh, 1 verse 8 again. Don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you. I'll take care of you. And I, the Lord, have already spoken about that. In other words, the Lord said, look, Jeremiah, I've taken care of those things. I have a purpose for you. You're not too young. You're not too old. I have a purpose for you. And don't worry about the people. I'm going to take care of the people. And by the way, Jeremiah, I'm going to put your word, my word, in your mouth. You're going to know exactly what to say. You know what? That's a promise in the New Testament. The Bible says this, don't worry about what we'll say or what we'll do because in the proper time, God is going to equip us. God is going to give us those words that we'll say. You know what? That comes to an issue of faith. It's a whole other message. Let me give just two basic examples of the truth. Those who build their purpose on Christ. This is where it starts. God calls us to salvation. Through the death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ, God calls us to salvation, and God saves us through His grace. We're going to talk about this. I'm going to give you an illustration in just a minute. And it's going to have to do with a hay baler. How in the world? God calls us to salvation. Through Jesus Christ, He saves us by His grace. The second part of that is God calls us to serve Him. And through the indwelling of His Spirit, when when God puts His Spirit within us, He gives us strength to accomplish what we need to do. Several years ago, I used to watch uh, rodeos and stuff on TV. I'm talking about uh, back when I was probably 10 or 11 years old, 40 years ago. And y'all remember Walt Garrison? Y'all remember old Walt? (laughs) He had that old country voice, you know, and... Uh, he did a lot of announcing for rodeos and different kind of events like that. And, and who would remember one of the biggest sponsors back then? I'm stepping on a limb here. Does anybody know who was the biggest name in hay equipment? No. Heston. Y'all don't even know who Walt Garrison is, I bet. No. <laughs> All I remember, I don't remember John Deere and I don't remember Vermeer. I remember Heston. And you know those Heston, it would show, it would show uh, somebody out in a hay field and they would be dressed like you need to be dressed and uh, it would be some commercial along, you know, Heston gets it done. Number one in equipment, Heston gets it done. And, and so uh, years later, I, 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 at the time I didn't have a farm I had, some, I had a cow I showed in ag, but I, I didn't have any land. I didn't have any need for all of those different things. But, but I had my eye on a Heston Baylor because that was it. That's where to be. Now, after church, I went and bought one. And after church, I'll tell you the rest of the story here in a minute. But, but uh, if you want to get a, a, a recommendation on what kind of baler, it, it's not going to be a Heston. But anyway, 
Uh, I went and bought one. Now, what part did that bailer play in me buying it? It was a commercial, but it played no part in it, did it? Basically, I went to Paris, and I went by Cunningham Equipment, and there was a Heston baler sitting there. And I had a baler, and it was a piece of junk. And so I went in there, and I said, hey, why can I trade this in for that? And they said, okay, this is what we'll trade for. They dumped that. I mean, I bought that thing from them, and, and I've got it still. But, but as far as that baler, it has absolutely nothing to do with me buying it. It was simply something sitting there, and I went and bought it. Now, this weekend, we've been baling hay. Me and my dad started baling hay yesterday morning, and I want you to think about this. On its own, what part did that baler play in baling hay all day yesterday? None. It's not a trick question. <laughs> it didn't do anything. I backed a tractor up to the baler. I hooked up the hoses. I hooked up the PTO shaft. I put it in gear. Daddy started raking. I started following. We started baling hay. That baler had nothing to do with anything that took place yesterday. You know when that baler started getting used? When I got in the cab of that tractor, and when I took over the controls, then that baler started being used. Now listen to this. God calls us to salvation. What part do we play in that? None. Everybody. None. We play no part in that. You know what we don't like? We don't like to get a gift unless we can give back, do we? When it comes to salvation, we want to say, well, I had a little part in that. No, you didn't. You had no part in your salvation. The only part you had was surrendering your will and saying, okay, God, I'm going to come to you. Okay, God, I'm going to let go. I'm going to move out of this parking lot that I've planted myself in, and I'm going to surrender myself to you. God bought us. He saw us. He called us, and he saved us. We had no part in it. Why did he do that? Why did I buy that baler? I had a purpose for it. I had a need for it, and I went and bought it that I could use it to fulfill my need. Christ saves us because he has a need for us. He has a purpose for us, and he saved us that we might fulfill that need. Now, on our own, how can we fulfill that need? We can't. Until God gets a hold of us, takes over the controls, backs up to us, hooks us up, and starts directing us, we're not going to be any good to him because if we're trying to do it on our own, if I just get up there and throw that tractor in gear and throw that baler in gear and got out and just let it go, what's it going to do? It's going to goof up, isn't it? It's going to go across this way and this way and run off in the trees and tear down fences and go off in a pond. It's going to goof up at every turn unless somebody gets behind the controls that knows where they're going, that knows what they're doing, and starts directing us that way. The same is true for us in salvation. God calls us. He saves us, he gives us a purpose, and then he takes the controls over and says, okay, here's your purpose, now I'm going to lead you and I'm going to show you the direction you need to go. And in our lives, we need to understand that when God gives us a purpose and when God saves us, it's a reason and it's a, it's a direction that he gives us in our lives. 
Those are the things we need to know. You were saved. You had nothing to do with that other than your surrender. God calls you. He's given you a purpose to fulfill. All you have to be is available, and God directs us. Now, here's some principles to live by. God created you for a purpose. I love this. So don't be afraid to be yourself, like I was talking about this morning. It, aren't you the best person you can be? Now, I'm not talking about what you try to be. I'm talking about when you are yourself, you're exactly who you are, aren't you? I remember one time, I hadn't been at this church long. I had been doing something on a Sunday evening, I think it was. It could have even been a Wednesday. And I came to church in overalls, and it was, a, it was probably a Sunday night. And, and, and a young man was here. His name was Josh. Y'all know who Josh, some of y'all know who Josh was. And uh, his granddad was Cooper. And Josh walked up to me, and he looked up and looked down. He was just little. And he said, I ain't never seen a preacher in overalls before. <laughs> and Cooper popped him and said, you don't talk like that. <laughs> I said, oh, that's all right. That's just who I am. That's just who I am. I told y'all a few years ago, I worked for a, a company called Cybron Medical. Their home office was Rochester, New York. Y'all remember that? I'd been working there. I got right out of high school. I got a job there. They said, we want you to become a, a sales rep for us, but we're going to send you to Rochester, New York for three months. You know why? They said, you've got to lose that accent. <laughs> they said, you can't go around the country selling our equipment Talking like you talk. You know what I did? I quit. Because <laughs> I said, you're not sending me up there and me come back talking like I'm not. You know why? Because God created you how you are. And don't be afraid to be yourself. He created Jeremiah, who he was. He didn't create him to be Isaiah or Ezekiel or Zechariah or Daniel, all of those great folks we find in the Old Testament. God didn't create Jeremiah to be one of those people. He created him to be him. And God created you to be you, and he placed you in an area that you can serve him the best. Because folks understand you, and they understand who you are, and they see you live your life, and they know that you like to do this, and you like to do that. And, and so many people think, well, if I become a Christian, then, then I have no fun in life, and, and I'm just held under a rigid set of rules. And, and we need to understand that God gave us who we are. He gave us our talents. He gave us our personalities. He gave us our strengths that we might minister to others. We don't need to get up. Boy, when I first started preaching, when I first started teaching, I, I listened to some preachers. I still do. And, and I would think, man, I wish I could talk like that guy. Adrian Rogers, if y'all know him, he has the best speaking voice. And it's deep, and he comes out loud and deep. And I thought, man, if I could be like that. I might have even tried that a time or two. <laughs> it don't work for me. You know why? That's not who I am. That ain't how God created me. And folks, when it comes to ministry, we don't need to be afraid to be ourselves because God's created us that way. Here's the second thing. God created us for a purpose, so we need to trust in him to take care of us. Okay, we talked last couple of weeks about creating a concern. God creates a concern in us. Don't be afraid to be yourself. God's giving you that concern. The second thing we talked about last week was, was center on the eternal. 
Boy, that's a big order. Remember this. God will take care of you. You know what he told Jeremiah? Hey, don't be afraid of the people. I've got this. I'm going to take care of you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to forget about you. I've got this covered, Jeremiah. And today we need to know God created us and we need to trust in him. That's where that issue, again, of faith comes in. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, many of y'all probably know that. It's a great scripture. If you don't have that underlined in your Bible, if you don't have that memorized, I would encourage you to do it because what it says is this. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And what does he do? He directs our path. Some translation says he makes your path straight. I don't agree with that. Just because we're trusting the Lord and we're leaning on him doesn't mean we're going to have some rocks and some bumps and some hills and some curves. But trust the Lord with our heart. Don't lean on our understanding. He's going to direct us. We need to trust the Lord and trust that he'll take care of us. God created you for a purpose, so we need to speak out on his behalf. We talked two weeks ago, cultivate a concern. We talked last week, focus, center on the eternal. And then this week, concentrate your energy. Speak out on God's behalf. I want us to look at what Jeremiah and what God told Jeremiah here. He said, I have some things for you. I want you to speak my word. I've placed my words in your mouth that you might minister to others, that you might speak my words. What that says to me is we need to be centering on God's word. We need to understand God's word. I'm not so big on saying, I think it's great. But you know, well, chapter verse. I do this when I'm preaching. You know, I'll think of a verse of scripture. It may not come up here. You know why? Because it's not in there. I don't know exactly where it's found. But I know what God's word said. And, and oh, I, I need to learn a lot more. I'm not tooting my own horn. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying we need to understand God's word. When somebody comes to it with a problem, we need to be able to say, you know what? Not all holy and biased and, and uh, turning into this preacher and I'm going to tell you what God's word says. No, we don't need to do that. We need to simply say, you know what? I believe this. And be able to tell people what God's word says. I find my strength here. Oh, the world's coming to an end, whatever. Well, here's what God's word says about that. Oh, what about our economy? It's going in the tank. What does God's word say about that? It says we don't need to trust in those things. We need to trust in God. See, if we understand God's word, then we can be at shining light. And we can be speaking God's word that incidentally he's put them in our mouth. We need to speak out against sin. God told Jeremiah, stand up against the nations. Boy, it's easy for us to just be ostrich and stick our heads in the sand, isn't it? Oh, I, I don't have no comment. I don't, I don't have anything to say about that. Oh, I don't know. We can take a stand. We don't need to get out and bomb buildings and walk with signs, and we just can take a stand. If we have opportunities, somebody will ask you, what do you think about this? Speak out on God's Word. Speak out for against sin. Don't be self-righteous and... What does it say? It says, in your heart set apart Christ as Lord, 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer to someone that asks you for your hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. We need to be able to speak out against sin, stand up against the nation. But not only that, sometimes we stop there. We take a stand, we say, this is what I think, I believe, and we take a hard stand. Look what else he told Jeremiah, and this is where we're going to close. Speak words of encouragement. He said, Jeremiah, sometimes you need to stand up. 
You need to destroy some kingdoms. You need to go in and conquer some things. But sometimes we need to plant and build up. That's what he told Jeremiah. Sometimes we need to plant and build up. You know what that is? That's messages of encouragement. That's to be an encourager. When we live our life on a purpose, we need to be an encourager sometimes. What travels fast, bad news or good news? Bad news always. Man, we always hear bad news. We always tell bad news. But you know what? There comes a time in our life of being a light for Christ, living life on a purpose that we need to be one encouraging. We need to be one that says, you know what? It's not all gloom and doom. God's still on the throne. God's still in control. Do you believe that? He hasn't lost control of the United States. He hasn't lost control of what's going on in this world. He's still on the throne. And you know what? My dad's on the throne. And he's my heavenly father. And if you're born again, he's your dad. And he's your heavenly father. He's on the throne. And we need to be able to encourage one another saying, you know what? My God is greater than all the others. My dad could whip your dad. He's greater than everybody. And he's still on the throne. And I'm not going to be brought down. And I'm not going to be discouraged with the things around us. We need to speak out. We need to stand up against them. We need to use God's word that he's placed in our mouth. But you know what? We need to be an encourager also. Are you living life on a purpose? I want to close with this one thing. Your life is a gift from God. And what you do with that life is your gift back to him. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?